From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We are just a few days away from Election Day, Tuesday, November 8th. And on this last Straight Talk episode before that big day, we focus on the only Portland City Council race on the ballot. It's for position three on the council, the contest between incumbent City Commissioner Joanne Hardesty and her challenger, Renee Gonzalez. Hardesty was forced into a runoff after she got less than 50% of the vote in the May primary. And Gonzalez finished just ahead of a third candidate, Vadim Mazursky. Hardesty and Gonzalez represent stark contrasts in views and backgrounds. Hardesty was elected in 2018. A civil rights activist for decades, she's been a champion of progressive issues, a renter who lives on Portland's east side, an area often overlooked by city council in the past. And she became the first black woman elected to council. She's a Navy veteran and former president of Portland's NAACP and served as a state representative serving North and Northeast Portland. In her current position, she oversees Portland Fire and Rescue, the Portland Bureau of Transportation, and the Office of Community and Civic Life. Rene Gonzalez is a businessman and a lawyer. He's the managing partner for both his law firm and a software company. He served on a number of boards, including the Portland Children's Museum, the Library Foundation, and helped build Oregon's largest youth soccer league known as UPDX. Gonzalez lives in Eastmoreland and has campaigned on reducing crime and ending homelessness in the city. He says Portland is at an inflection point. Here to make one of their final pitches to voters, I'm pleased to welcome to our studio Commissioner Joanne Hardesty and Renee Gonzalez. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's so nice to have you both here. Thanks My so pleasure. much for having us. Well, Commissioner, you know, I know you've heard from Portland voters who are frustrated with yes. what they see. Yeah. Crime, homelessness, trash, graffiti, a downtown that's slow to recover. You've heard the polls that say that most of Portlanders blame the city council, and you're the only council member on the ballot, so yes. you're getting a lot of that frustration channeled at you. That's correct. It, it can't be easy this last couple of years. Why do you want to run for re-election? <laughs> what is driving you? Well, because I have work that I've left unfinished. As you know, we're finally rolling Portland State Response out citywide. Um, and um, I came to City Hall to change systems that didn't work for the people in the city of Portland. And in my short time there, I've been able to improve uh, gun safety uh, 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 in neighborhoods by working with community members. In my time there, I've passed the first change in, uh, uh, in 911 uh, since its inception. And in my time there, I've been able to listen to community and bring people together to address some of the most critical issues that we face as a community. Well, let me ask Mr. Gonzalez, because council members come on board with good intentions to really make the city better, but the perception for a lot of Portlanders is it hasn't gotten better. Mm -hmm. You don't have any political experience. Why should they have confidence that you can do a better job and make a difference? Well, sure. So I led the statewide efforts to reopen public schools as we were emerging from the pandemic. That was a bipartisan effort focused on data about what the COVID was and wasn't doing for children. So I'm actually well versed in the process of uh, how you bring folks together across the political spectrum, how to drive with data, how to find commonality, and sometimes focus on what unites us, not what uh, divides us. And when I look at the complex issues of both crime and homelessness, which are both multifactorial, they're not simple, there's not just one switch we're gonna flip that's gonna solve our challenges there. I think that 
that experience is going to lend itself very well. And I'd also lean on my professional experience under our current form of government. A commissioner is responsible for overseeing substantial bureaus with substantial budgets. I think management experience matters in this in this form of government, at least until we have charter reform. So I'd, I'd bring all those things to bear. Commissioner, you mentioned some of your achievements. During your tenure, what are you most proud of? <clears throat> Uh, well, I would have to say I am most proud of the creation of Portland Street Response because typically government develops programs for people without ever actually talking to the people who are supposed to benefit from them. Um, and so we started with actually doing focus groups with people who are currently houseless. What do you need when people call 911 on you, right? Uh, what would be the best approach? Uh, should they have sirens? We spent a lot of time talking to the end users first, and then we worked with the business community, the nonprofit community, housing advocates. We worked with a coalition of folks who don't normally talk to each other, but I centered the people that would be most impacted by the policy, and that's how I developed public policy, right? Rhetoric sound bites are fine and good, but you have to know how to actually not just envision something different, but the process and steps you need to take uh, to make it so. And I, am, I, I know that now in Portland Street Response have workers who make a living wage. There was a lot of pushback that we should do the nonprofit route. They make a living wage and they are respected professionals that are social workers, uh, peer supporters, and an EMT that provide direct health care on the street. That is a, that by itself is a legacy And I know that you're expanding that, the city's yes. expanding that. Let me bring Mr. Gonzalez in. In your first 100 days, if you're elected, what do you hope to achieve? Well, I think we've got to put what's going on in terms of crime in the city at the top of the list. I mean, we're looking at record homicide rates for a second year in a row. Uh, gun gun uh, shots, uh, shootings have tripled in the last three years. We're looking at record catalytic converter thefts and car thefts. So uh, I think we need to recenter victims in the criminal justice system. I think there we can focus on, first of all, how we get the best out of our police department and how we're deploying them, what decisions we've made in recent years that has undermine their ability to really address traffic crimes. Um, ELPSIG, which is the joint uh, county and city task force on crime in the area. Uh, I think we really need to be pushing there for proper bail requirements and sentencing guidelines to really disrupt some of our uh, cycles of criminality. So I put those two things at the top of the list. There's some medium term things that we're looking at in terms of crime, and including possibly reestablishing municipal court to really disrupt cycles of criminality in the city. But I put all of those on under crime. A lot to, lot to do in 100 yeah. days. <laughs> but let me, let me jump in here because I, I do eventually want to talk about homelessness, which is is the big concern, of course, for Portlanders. But I want to talk about how contentious this, this race has gotten for a while, especially this week. I, I know your headquarters was vandalized last weekend. A rock was thrown through a, a couple of windows. Then you sent the Hardesty campaign a cease and desist letter on something else on, on a mailer that you said contained false allegations. And then, Commissioner, your campaign uh, put out this mailer that we're going to show that um, seemed pretty aggressive, you know, tying uh, Renee Gonzalez to some far right groups and, and controversial figures like Marjorie Taylor Greene and um, Ted Cruz. I mean, that seems pretty extreme. What was behind that? Well, what's behind it is Mr. Gonzalez's record. Uh, ED 300 supported some of the most right-wing, anti-gay, lesbian, transgender folks um, uh, for school boards all across the state. 
14 candidates were extreme Republicans, supported by Right to Life and some of the most aggressively anti-gay groups in, 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 in uh, Oregon. And so uh, if it looks like a duck, it talks like a duck, and it walks like a duck, chances are it's a duck. Um, guilt by association, you have to look at who people surround themselves with. And I stand by Marjorie behind. Taylor Greene and Ted Cruz. Let me let Renee Gonzalez respond. Well, it, it, it looks like they were tying to the credit card process we used, and a dot that happened to be used by some Republican uh, candidates. It's also used by a lot of Democratic candidates. And so, you know, if, uh, if Donald Trump uses Visa and Joanne uses Visa, does that make her a Trumpster? I don't think so. I mean, it's absolute guilt by association. It is terribly unfair. Um, but, you know, I, I, at some level, it's, it, I trust Portland voters to look through it. And uh, when we look at our complex topics in this city and in this state, crime, homelessness, addiction, and mental illness, they all, they're, they're going to be more than Portland addressing that. It's going to be more than just Democrats addressing that. So I am pro-choice. I am pro-marriage equality. But when I look at the complex topics facing our city, we are going to have to work in a bipartisan well, way to address them. Let this. me ask you about a little a little bit more about ED 300 mm -hmm. because that was the pact that you formed to try to open schools during the pandemic and uh, the group did endorse some school board candidates that were supported by some far-right groups that oppose LGBTQ rights and oppose abortion have been called intolerant even when the Willamette Week endorsed you it called those endorsements careless do you have any second thoughts about making those endorsements well certainly I was not running for office when we did that you know t at that point teachers had been vaccinated and still many school districts were reluctant to reopen schools at that point. And that combination made it a, crucially important that we were focused on who is going to best support reopening schools. So uh, knowing what I know now that some didn't, aren't consistent with and my values. running for office right? makes I mean, a difference. It's a, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's fair to talk about who you support. I don't, I don't begrudge anyone for bringing that up at all. Um, but, you know, we had, to, we had to focus on commonality. And I don't apologize on that discrete issue. I didn't endorse their positions on those topics. We were focused on opening schools and we, you know, did our best to work together. But you put your name on them as worthy candidates for school boards around the state. Let me say that his only federal contribution came after the insurrection on January uh, 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 6 uh, and, and uh, at the U.S. Uh, at, uh, at the U.S. Capitol. Um, that says a lot about who he is and who he represents. What federal contribution are you talking about? Uh, he made a federal contribution to a candidate after the insurrection that was a federal candidate for office and it's been verified I and mean, this is the, the database he's saying just because he put his contribution into a certain system he shows up as a Republican but he actually supported a very extreme right-wing Republican Do you want to with his donation. To sure so it's a, a neighbor in my neighborhood uh, asked for support while he was running for Congress I gave him 50 bucks uh, you know, he finished like seventh. He had no chance of winning. It was supporting a neighbor. I also supported a former college classmate of mine, Tobias Reed, running for governor. Uh, 
similar contribution. I also paid a thousand bucks to go watch Joe Biden speak at a Tina Kotek event. I support people that are close to my neighborhood. That's why my neighbors are largely supporting me uh, in this run. And so uh, that was a personal support. It wasn't an ideological thing. It's supporting people who asked for help. And they, they were, you know, they were well connected in the families. Let me, let me ask you, Commissioner, about a tweet this week that you posted. And, and here's what the tweet says. This election will determine if Portland moves toward a more humane, anti-racist future, or if we will slide back into Oregon's white supremacist and classist history. Are you comparing your opponent to white supremacists there? What I'm saying is that for someone who's pro-choice, I have all the pro-choice endorsements. For someone who's about equity and fairness, I have all the endorsements for groups that represent communities of color. For someone who says that they're a big fan of the next governor, I have Tina Kotak's endorsement. What I say is when you look at who people surround themselves as, Regardless of what they say, you can say you're a lifelong Democrat your entire life, but if you surround yourself with people whose ideology is inconsistent with that, then it and you responded on Twitter. Do you want to respond here? Sure. It was deeply disappointing. You know, I mean, the description of a campaign as being a choice between white supremacy and alternative is an oversimplistic uh, framing of race. It's an oversimplistic framing of politics in an election. Uh, I am Latino. My wife is Latina. Uh, my mother-in-law was born in another country, as was my wife. My father was a Mexican migrant worker. So this framing of race in terms of black and white is overly simplistic in the realities of Portland, Oregon. Uh, it was really disappointing, frankly, uh, her, her framing that way. And I hope we can transcend this as we talk about an increasingly multicultural city, multicultural state, that we don't revert to old black and white definitions of these complex uh, issues. And uh, again, I was and, disappointed. And Commissioner, you sent, I'll let you respond in a second, but you sent a press release out that we got this week that called for peaceful yes. political discourse yes. and peaceful political action. Yes. Um, what prompted that, that letter? Well, because I did not want people to think that violence was ever a solution to anything. But did your tweet kind of you know, escalate that tension and that fear more Not than de-escalate? Not at all. My, my goal, because the media failed to actually point out who Mr. Gonzalez was, was to let voters know who they were voting for. And so since that had not been done, I have an obligation because I fear for the voters if someone pretends to be a Democrat and they get elected into this seat. We'll have to let you respond before we go on to another subject. Well, again, it's hinting at calling an opponent white su supremacy. I mean, it's it's outrageous. No, and and it, it's, it's in the combination of mailers, uh, that those tweets, um, it's disappointing. Uh, again, I, I'm optimistic that Portland voters will look past it, but we had to correct it. Uh, we had to address it head on. And uh, we need to be better in our political rhetoric and more responsible. Well, I think we all can agree that we want peaceful discourse. And let me just uh, say, discourse. I, there's only one thing I've heard Mr. Gonzalez say this whole campaign that I agree with. I trust the voters of the city of Portland, and they will make the, the right decision on election day. Well, let's talk about something that voters are, are, are very concerned about is homelessness. Mm -hmm. And then Thursday night, yes. the, and you were very involved in this, Commissioner, uh, the council approved the mayor's sweeping plan to to address homelessness and and what it does and you can see some of the the 
bullet points there, but what it does is bans unsanctioned camping across the city and moves uh, people who are on the street right now into six different camps. It was three, but now it's six different camps all across the city. I think your amendment wanted it in geographic areas, different geographic areas in the city, Commissioner. 250 people at, at each camp. It passed unanimously, except you voted against the actual camp banning the unsanctioned camping. Why did you vote against that? Because there's no money attached to the mayor's plan. There are no partnerships have been developed. There's no commitment at the state, county, and federal level to give us the infusion of dollars that we need. And the federal courts have already spoke very clearly. If we really want to get people in, in uh, if we really want to ban camping, we have to have somewhere for people to go. Um, and this is just the second wave of people who will be on our street. As the only renter on city council, I am terrified of what happens in January when rents go up 14.6%. We have the next wave of tens of thousands of But you voted people. for the rest of the plan. Uh, why vote for the rest of it and, and, ban, and vote against unsanctioned camping across the city? Because, again, across the city, and again, because there's not one penny attached to it. We can only ban it once we have some place to put people. We have, as the mayor said, these were aspirational resolutions. Why the mayor found it necessary to do it in two weeks is your guess is as good as mine. And what I tried to do was make bad resolutions better. And in places where I could make it better, I voted in favor. But, you know, until the federal courts changed their mind about making sure that we have places for people to be, I cannot support. Mr. Gonzalez, if you had been on the city council, would you have supported the mayor's plan, even though homeless advocates say that it's inhumane? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and uh, to be clear on this, I mean, this is a long pattern of Commissioner Harsey being an obstructionist in terms of cleaning up our city. Uh, the mayor had to bypass her on cleaning up RVs and right-of-ways, notwithstanding that she oversees Peabot. Um, this is, she's been an obstructionist on uh, the city's ability to address cleaning up sidewalks uh, during her entire time as the head of Peabot. And voting no on this was a really poor signal. She objected to the concept that the city can say, you can't sleep in an unsanctioned area. I mean, and, and again, we are subject to Ninth Circuit constraints, we are subject to Oregon law constraints, and we are subject to humanitarian constraints in how we approach that issue. But it is old law in the city of Portland that you can't sleep in an unsanctioned place. That has been true since 1981. And Portlanders are crying out for help in their neighborhoods, in their small businesses, and in their children's path to the work and to school every day. And um, the, she has been obstruction us on this, and we need to reset significantly and I agree. on this. Portlanders want people housed. We have way too many empty buildings in this city. As you saw yesterday, I tried to actually use our power of eminent domain. Right? That's the one superpower the city has. So if we wanted to house people, we could start housing people today. But we haven't been able to, even with the safe rest villages, the city hasn't been able to get those open. Well, Only two out of six, they can't find places to Commissioner Ryan was not able to get those open. I would not have had the same challenges. Would you want to be the Housing Bureau Director if you, you are know, reelected? I have taken everything the mayor has thrown at me, and I've been very effective at whatever bureau he gives me. If I had housing barrel, we would see a lot of different um, outcomes than what we see today. We're, I've got to take a break. Okay, this is no very worries. interesting. <laughs> but I, there's so much more to talk about. So we're going to continue our conversation with Commissioner Hardesty and Renee Gonzalez, her challenger, right after the break. 
Hello and welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're talking with the two candidates running for Portland City Council position three, the only Portland Council race on the ballot this time, the contest between incumbent Commissioner Joanne Hardesty and her challenger Renee Gonzalez. Well, welcome once again to Straight Talk. Thank, Thank you. you. So much to talk about. We got to jump in into crime and, and policing. And Commissioner Hardesty, you've been criticized for a vote you took a couple of years ago that cut the police budget by 15 million. Then during the fall budget bump, the, the budgeting process in the fall, you wanted to cut another 18 million. The rest of the council didn't go along and you called them out for their lack of courage. If you had to do it over again, would you vote the same way and, and cut the police budget? Oh, certainly, because the police budget is now uh, significantly larger than it was at that time. What we cut was ineffective programs and not one police officer lost their job. But I have to say, I know personally someone who was offered a job as a police candidate and that job was rescinded when those budget cuts happened. So it did at least exacerbate the vacancies. It did not because uh, Portland Police had been carrying 50 vacancies on their books for three solid budget cycles prior to us cutting those three programs. Again, $15 million was cut. 44 officers were available to do patrol elsewhere. I don't know why your friend's offer was rescinded, but it had absolutely nothing to do with the $15 million reduction. Well, now you're saying that you want to hire more police officers, right? Why did you change your mind about hiring more? Well, I want us to hire the officers that we have funded through the budget process. And right now we have 100 that we have budgeted that we have not been able to hire for. But the same is also true for all the first responder bureaus and quite frankly for public sector employees. And Mr. We, Gonzalez, let me just jump in here because we don't have a lot of time. How would you try to fill those vacancies, those 92 sworn officer vacancies, and you want to hire hundreds more? How in the world do you fill all those vacancies and how do you pay for it? First and foremost, we have to change the rhetoric coming out of City Hall. Uh, too, too, it's too often we judge police officers first without process. We assume the worst. Um, and unfortunately, Commissioner Harsey has been part of that problem in terms of the language coming out about our police officers falsely uh, accusing them of starting fires during the uh, they riots. They falsely accused me of actually auto If I could finish, please. It's, it's, uh, so that rhetoric coming out of City Hall has made it very difficult to recruit and to retain police officers in the city of Portland. Uh, so we need to change that. We need to be a little calmer in how we talk about the complicated topics of managing public safety and police accountability. Uh, and then, you know, there's some change shifts in how we're recruiting. We had cut their budget in terms of recruiters and background checks for the police department. Those have been restored. Uh, we're starting to get the pipeline going of police officers willing to apply for the city. We've had some couple good classes here recently. So things there's some there's some things under the hood that are improving, but one thing a city commissioner do can change the rhetoric and then commit to protect I'll let positions. You quickly respond to that and then give you a final thought here. We're running out of time. The Department of Justice Civil Rights Division says today we still do not provide constitutional policing for all Portlanders. And I want a police force that provides constitutional policing regardless of people's color or economic status. And that's what I'm working towards. We can have a good police force even if we have to grow our own. I can give you 45 seconds each to uh, really make your final pitch to voters mm -hmm. before election day. And I'll start with Commissioner Hardesty. Thank you very much, Laura. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, voters in Portland are smart. Um, and I hope you will do your homework. Look at who's supporting my campaign from the federal level on down. Most of our federal delegation is supporting me. Um, our incoming governor, I hope, uh, is supporting me. 
all the choice organizations, I have a long list of supporters of people that know that I get the job done. You sent me here to ask the hard questions and to do the hard work of changing systems. I believe in you, Portland. Please get your ballot in uh, by November 8th um, and allow me to continue to work with you to make our community safer, more equitable, and more just. I am very grateful for the honor. This has been my biggest honor serving the people of the city of Portland, and I look forward to continuing to do that. Mr. Gonzalez, 45 seconds. Well, thanks so much for having me, and uh, I just want to call out we're really at a remarkable time in the city's history. We inherited a wonderful city, uh, beautiful parks, a clean river, a culture of civic engagement, entrepreneurship, and creativity. But recent years are, have offered a substantial challenge to the city, have ripped asunder the social fabric, whether we're talking crime, addiction, uh, and our inability to really confront the challenges of the unsheltered. And um, it has been tough on all of us. We're gonna have to dig down as we emerge in, from this difficult time and confront some really diff tough issues. At the same time, it is an opportunity of a lifetime to restore our inheritance, to rebuild with our own hands, hearts, and minds uh, this beautiful city of ours. And I look forward to partnering with it in, in all of that. Mr. We can Gonzalez, do this together. I have to stop Thank you. There. Thank you so much, candidates. We've run out of time for all the questions we wanted to ask, so the candidates have graciously agreed to stay for a bonus round. You can catch that on our podcast and on the KGW YouTube channel. Remember to vote on Tuesday, November 8th. You can also check out their websites for more info on the candidates. Your ballot has to be in on the 8th or postmarked by that date. And join us for election night coverage right here on KGW. Have a great week. Hello and welcome to this extended edition of Straight Talk with Portland City Council candidates Commissioner Joanne Hardesty and her challenger Renee Gonzalez. We ran out of time during our original episode and the candidates agreed to stay around for these bonus rounds of questions. So thank you again for being willing to do this. You know, you both You're disagree welcome. on this other measure that's going to be on the ballot, uh, Measure 26228. The measure changes Portland's form of government and its elections. And before we, we hear what you think of it, here's an overview of what it would do. It changes the current commission form of government to a mayor-city manager system where city council members work as legislators while the city manager would handle the administrative duties and oversee bureaus. The mayor would move to an executive role. That person could break a tie vote but have no veto power. Twelve council members would be elected from four geographic districts with three members from each district. It would also change elections to ranked choice voting. And a, a commission of 20 volunteers worked on this for a year to a year and a half, really doing a lot of research, studying other forms of government in other cities and countries. But uh, Renee Gonzalez, you've come out against this measure. Why? Well, um, fundamentally, it's a big experiment. We're combining uh, multi-member districts with ranked choice voting, rarely done uh, globally and particularly in the United States. There are a couple overseas examples, but extremely rarely adopted in the United States. I think one of the challenges of our current form of government is we essentially have one big district with four commissioners elected in that district. That's citywide elections for city commissioner. Um, and we're seeing a lot of the problems with that. You don't know who to call. You don't know who your outreach is. 
is too. And I think we're ex essentially is exacerbating that problem. At the same time, it's a big experiment. And it's going to be very complex to implement. The city has not done a great job of implementing big projects recently. Uh, whether you're talking the Clean Energy Fund or Police Accountability, which those things have taken much longer than people think and are much more complicated. And I'm looking at this as a high-risk uh, proposal before us. There are aspects I like. I prefer Mingus Maps' uh, suggestions that may be on the ballot in May, and that's what I would be supporting uh, should it come to uh, BV for us in May. And Commissioner, at a KGW City Club debate, you declined to say what you preferred yes. because you didn't want to tip the scales and influence right. anyone. But shortly afterwards, you did say that you would vote yes for it. Why change your mind and why are you supporting it? I'm supporting it because we recruited 20 diverse community members and gave them the resources and staff to talk to tens of thousands of Portlanders to develop a proposal on changing our government. I respect community participation. I respect when people dedicate and volunteer their time to help government solve big problems. And I think that they have, we as the elected officials had an obligation to make sure that we stayed back and allowed the Charter Commission members' voices to be the voices that the public heard around this issue. I have no interest in whatever MAPS has put together, and all I know about it is what I've read in the paper, and I think it just undermines the integrity of asking volunteers uh, to volunteer their time to help. Let's talk about a couple of newspaper editorials that split between endorsing both of you. And we'll start with the Portland Mercury's endorsement of Joanne Hardesty. And in its endorsement, the Portland Mercury says, yet there's one thing missing in Gonzalez's pitch to oust sitting commissioner Joanne Hardesty. Solutions. Gonzalez hasn't offered the public any clear plans on how he would resolve the many crises he so eagerly identifies. And the paper's editorial board went on to mention some of Hardesty's accomplishments, including championing Portland street response, establishing the Portland Clean Energy Fund, among other things, and said, quote, it's been years, decades perhaps, since we can remember a city commissioner accomplishing so much in their first term. What's your response to the criticism that you don't offer any real solutions to some of these problems? Well, I think, first of all, we have put forth municipal court as a means that the city can specifically address challenges of crime in the city of Portland uh, without dependency on the state legislature, without dependency on the county in significant ways. Uh, I've addressed police funding and uh, staffing of specialists. So I disagree with that assessment. Uh, I think I have offered specifics there. Uh, the mayor has since come forth with respect to homelessness and the unsheltered with a very specific proposal that aligns with the direction I'm going. Uh, so at this point, I think I'm, th that is by default going to be where I'm going to be focusing my energies in, in addressing the unsheltered. So um, at the end of the day, I think Portlanders want more than just ideas. They need level-headedness in city council. They need uh, rhetoric that is calming, that gets at the facts, that looks at unifying us. And I think I bring that to the table. Now, the Willamette Week endorsed your opponent commissioner, uh, Renee Gonzalez, and, and it, it said, at times, referring to you, she's been a voice for the voiceless, but she's also dismissed those who've questioned her, alienated colleagues, and inflamed tensions when Portland needed a unifying presence. Perhaps most importantly, Hardesty has proven unwilling or unable to make a compromise with those who disagree with her, and that's why we're withdrawing our May endorsement. Portland's at risk of losing the fresh energy of newcomers who've elevated the city from a backwater. What's your response to their criticism that you don't compromise with people who you disagree with? I think that that is uh, 
not true. <laughs> I think that that's not true. And I think there is a desire to uh, tone police women, especially black women. Um, it is it is impossible for me if had changed the 911 system if I did not compromise, if I did not listen to people who disagreed with me. I have worked with 12 police chiefs and six police commissioners in my time in the city of Portland. I didn't get active when I decided I was gonna run for office. I've been active for over 35 years working on these same issues. And so I will tell you that I don't care that men don't think I'm polite enough. I don't care that men don't think that I'm not conciliatory enough. We have true racial and economic inequality in this city, and just pretending it doesn't exist will not address those issues. Let me ask you, uh, Mr. Gonzalez, uh, another criticism that, that I've heard uh, about you, that um, you don't represent change, that you represent the status quo, the, the traditional centers of power like police unions, business interests, real estate developers, and that Joanne challenges the status quo she was just talking about, gives voice to the voiceless. How, how do you respond to that? Well, you look at polling and how we did in the primary, we drew fantastically east of 60th, east of 82nd, east of 205. These are traditionally communities that are completely underrepresented at the city. These are our lowest income neighborhoods. These are often our most diverse neighborhoods and they've galvanized behind me. They're drawn to my message and clarity on crime and homelessness. So uh, if anything, we have a rather academic uh, talking heads in the city of City Hall uh, that are the power brokers in the city historically and in framing the issues. And what we're seeing is a substantial part of the city is not responding to that framing. So I actually, you know, I wouldn't have gotten past the primary if I didn't have substantial support in East Portland, if I didn't have substantial support in far East Portland. Uh, I actually think I'm bringing into City Hall the voice of parents, the voice of multi-generational Portlanders that have deep ties to the city going back. And it's not just money that's that tie, that is sometimes just having family here for a long time, worried about what we've, the legacy we've brought forward, as well as what we're gonna leave for our children uh, that come after us. So uh, I disagree with the ass assessment. I wouldn't have gotten here without the support of a lot of small donors throughout the city and a lot of East Portlanders. But you've used a lot of rich, cat donors to skirt the law in the election law. I think voters need to know that what they see is someone who the rules don't apply to them, just like the deal with Snitzer. And even though you're talking about the rent, but the judge yes. in that case did overturn well, a, that fine. A Republican administrative court judge overturned it. I expect the city to challenge that being overturned because the elections experts said that he broke the law. Those are the people that we at the city are accountable to. Do you to. want to respond to that? I mean, it's, Joanne didn't like the result of a judicial decision. We looked at the rules very closely. I have substantial expertise in real estate. When we put the lease together, we did it with the rules in mind. A judge concluded with overwhelming evidence that we complied with the law. And so as much as Joanne would wish that weren't true, it. We complied with the law, and it's and it, it, there are some weaknesses in the way the rules are written that I do think need to be revisited. I do think it can be clearer for candidate campaigns in the future. One last piece on this. 
not only have we faced numerous instances of vandalism, both in terms of my family and in our campaign, uh, that we face threats. And it is essential, in my opinion, that campaigns be able to have campaign offices in small donor campaigns in the city of Portland. I, if anything, I think the rules need to be written to be even clearer that it's permissible. Uh, it doesn't mean you need a big space. The space is way too big for us, I mean, frankly. Uh, and so, but we need campaigns to be able to have a safe place designated for their campaign that is not their home. That is the, for the good of democracy in the city of Portland. That is for the good of our processes in our, in our elections here. I wish everybody else could get $250 a month rent and prime downtown. We could solve the homeless problem if everybody got $250 a month. But again, this is an oversimplification, right? This, the, the property is zoned and its certificate of occupancy is for office space. And first floor office space, there's an incredible excess downtown. There's also a shortage of affordable housing. Those two things can be true at the same time. Until we change our zoning and until we change how we convert properties from office to residential, it's not as simple as that. Unfortunately, we have too much of one type of property and not enough of the other. That's something I look forward to working on over the next few years. Let me, let me jump in on another subject. You brought this up during the, the original episode of Straight Talk about police oversight. You championed the police oversight yes. board that voters overwhelmingly approved. It's been yes. slow to yes. get started. What, yes. What's the status of that? Uh, well, they had their very first town hall last night where they got to talk, hear directly from community members about how they want to develop this accountability, this new accountability system. Mr. Gonzalez seems to think that we should do things fast. And we've done that a lot at the city of Portland. I'd rather do things well and make sure that the systems that we're putting in place will be sustainable over the long haul. I am proud of the commissioners that are working on putting this new board together. And they are having the same kind of difficult conversations that the Charter Commission had as they were developing their recommendations. I trust community members when we ask them to volunteer their time. I trust their input will be valuable and we'll use it to develop policy. So I don't want to do it fast. I want to do it right. And I want to make sure that when we do it, it's not undone by an election or a change in political ideology. Mr. Gonzalez, you've made it clear that you support police, that you're a law and order candidate. How can voters have confidence that you will also hold police accountable? Well, it's a cornerstone of a free democracy that we have that we have public oversight of police officers. I mean, and you know, I am the son of a judge. Uh, we'd often talk, talk about the the risk of cowboy cops and the impacts that has on a community. Uh, anytime you entrust someone with a with a deadly weapon, which we do with police, there absolutely has to be community oversight and police accountability. So. Um, the fact that I think at this point in our city's history, we have a re we are we cannot emerge from our situation without our ability to retain quality public safety officers and to recruit them. I do think our rhetoric has to change, but that's not an abandonment of basic democratic principles of police accountability and community oversight. I asked the commissioner earlier about bureaus and you said you would take any bureaus that the mayor gave you and you said you would take on the housing bureau, but Renee Gonzalez, if you're elected, what bureaus would you like to have? You've complained a lot about homelessness. Would you take the housing bureau? Uh, I mean, I think I, I have a substantial background in real estate development and finance, so I do think there's some there's a place for my skill set there. Uh, I do think Dan Ryan is spending a lot of time and energy there and understanding where, uh, you know, what levers he can pull effectively and not. So I think he 
uh, I would be very happy to su support, be helpful there, support that bureau. Uh, anything involved in development, including permitting, uh, BDS, I, I think uh, those would all be good fits. And uh, I really would like to be involved in ELPSIG, which again, this is a joint city-county uh, oversight of uh, criminal justice in the area. Uh, it's not a bureau uh, per se, but it's an assignment that a commissioner or the mayor can have. And I'd be very, very interested in those pieces. And again, I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of our parks. I've uh, trained kids and uh, taught soccer in, in, in our public parks. So maybe parks. the Parks Bureau? Yeah, I'd love parks. We'll see what the mayor, who he, what he assigns, because he may right. reassign That's bureaus right. after the election. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, what is your vision for downtown Portland compared to what you think it would be if, if Hart, uh, Commissioner Hardesty is reelected? Well, you know, it's been a, a source of tremendous civic pride during our, our lifetimes in the city of Portland. And uh, it's been a, 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 draw, a place that drew people in, and both for work and for play. And so I think that still has to be a part of its future. And um, whether it's going to continue to have the same mix of office and residential space, I think probably that mix is going to be altered, uh, given the changes in the way people work. Uh, we need to reflect that reality in our vision. But I think it needs to continue to be a place where people go to have fun, to en engage in the arts, to engage in music, uh, to go cheer on the thorns and the timbers. And and um, some of those pieces, I don't think we throw away. I think those are great parts of what we've inherited. Other parts, you know, we've, we've got to get our public transit feeling safe and clean. So when people want to get back on the train to come downtown, we need to clean up our multi-use pathways that bring us into, the, uh, into downtown. So I think there's elements of embracing what we've inherited in the, you know, uh, it, for downtown, but there's also going to be some pieces of altering that mix of residential and office. Commissioner, what's your vision for downtown Portland in the future? And how would it be different than if your opponent is elected? Let me say my vision is that downtown would be a place that you that people of all income levels could live, work, and play. Um, today, that is not the case. Uh, downtown would be a mix of housing that people could actually afford to live in, um, and market rate housing, and small businesses. And if, if I were a queen for a day, I would land bank all the land the city currently owns and start buying up these derelict buildings and start limiting development to 60% of the area median income so that we can continue to have creatives, musicians, uh, live workspace, uh, and that people who work in these places that uh, Mr. Gonzalez talks about playing at, those people can no longer afford to live in the city. I'm a public transit rider, and public transit is clean. There are excellent uh, security on it. Um, TriMet has done a great job of actually not having armed people, but very similar to the model of Portland Street Response, having people on that are helping people get their needs met on public transit. I ride public transit all the time. I think Mr. Gonzalez should get out of his car and try to ride public transit rather than the rhetoric that he, he's talking about. Well, I have to stop us there because we're, we're running out of time. We have a newscast, that, a newscast that we have to put <laughs> On, but I want to thank you both thank for taking you. the time to be here on Straight Talk and for doing this bonus round. We really appreciate it. Again, Election Day, Tuesday, November 8th. Thanks for joining us.